I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast, a tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray, a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair, upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. <laughs> Sermons are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. In honour of 5780, I planted 80 saplings in Colorado as a tribute to my teacher, my rabbi and mentor in London, Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg. Alright, I didn't actually get dirty in the soil and plant them with my own hands. I clicked online to onetreeplanted.org, a non-profit focused on global reforestation, and that's how I planted them. It was a lot less messy. I love being among the trees, hiking, biking, skiing, or just sitting quietly close to these magnificent, mighty trunks, breathing in the oxygen that they are producing, feeling supported by, thy, by their strength, inspired by their beauty, especially at this time of year with the stunning, changing colours of the fall. Quite often I pray close to the trees. There is an amazing comfort in the feeling that they are silent witnesses to my soul and there is nothing that surprises them. The opening chapter of the Book of Psalms invites us to be ke'etz shatul al palge mayim, like a tree planted by streams of water bringing forth fruit in its right time. The Hasidic master, Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav, taught the spiritual practice of hit bodadut, pouring out your heart to God among the trees. He declared, May it be my custom to go outdoors each day among the trees and grasses, among all growing things, and there may I be alone and enter into prayer to talk with the one that I belong to. Trees are part of us, and we are part of them. They offer us a grounded spirituality, helping us connect to both heaven and earth. The Irish poet and mystic John O'Donoghue expresses this so beautifully, recorded in a lovely book of his conversations called Walking in Wonder. He says, A tree grows up and grows down at once and produces enough branches to incarnate its wild divinity. Landscape is an incredible mystical teacher, always at prayer, and its prayer is seamless. It is always enfolded in presence. It is a high work of imagination because there is no repetition in a landscape. Every stone, every tree, every field is a different place. When your eye begins to become attentive to this panorama of differentiation, then you realize what a privilege it is to actually be here. It is a privilege to be here in this beautiful and fragile world, isn't it? 
and we are so blessed with our stunning Colorado landscapes and trails. The story of the creation of this earth whose birthday we honour on Rosh Hashanah opens with a scene of an idyllic garden filled with trees, plants and animals. Adam and Eve and their descendants, us, are given the task le chomro ou le ovdo to keep, protect and work this garden preserving its beauty, diversity and integrity. That hasn't worked out so well, has it? Watching the images of mighty trees in the Amazon, in California, Israel or right here in Colorado being consumed in moments by the ferocious flames of forest fires crumbling to the ground in defeat is heartbreaking especially knowing the environmental impact of this deforestation. Unlike the bush that caught Moses' attention, these trees, thousands and thousands of them, are being fully consumed. Trees are 50% carbon and like coal, they release their stores of CO2 when burned. So their disappearance not only removes the gift of their beautiful presence and life-sustaining absorption of carbon, adds more of it to the atmosphere in the flames and smoke. Rabbi Yaakov Omer, Hamahalech baderech v'shona, u'mafsik mi mishnato v'omer ma na'e ilan zeh o ma na'e nizeh, ma'aleh alav ha-katuv ke'ilu mitchayav b'nafsho. Rabbi Yaakov said, if one is studying while walking on the road and interrupts their Torah study and says, what a beautiful tree, or how fine is this newly ploughed field? Scripture considers that person liable for death. This rabbinic teaching has always shocked me in its apparent suggestion that study of Torah is so important that a moment of appreciation and awareness of nature is seen as a distraction so bad as to deserve the death penalty. How can it be? Rav Cook the first chief rabbi of Palestine and others teach that the key word in this text is mafsik, breaking off, separating. If we see the appreciation of a tree as an interruption from our studies, separate from Torah, a break in our religious sensibility or intellectual curiosity, we might as well be dead. Spirituality is an integration of body and soul the earth and the heavens. We learn that balance from trees, such powerful and central symbols in mysticism, the tree of life, a consciousness that invites us into a view of the cosmos where everything is connected in that eternal oneness. I was honoured to be present a couple of times this year at Lakota ceremonies where a phrase is repeated many times by the participants in the ritual. Mitakui Oyasin, all my relations, all my relatives, expressing the belief that for Lakota and for so many indigenous people, the trees, animals, birds, insects, plants are all our relatives. October 13th is Indigenous Peoples Day, honoring the first inhabitants of this sacred land. We are interconnected, one organism like a grove of aspens. The word chayav in that frightening rabbinic text from the Mishnah 
means liable or obligated, guilty of a capital crime for neglecting our Torah study. I say it is about the consequence of our actions, the consequences of our actions. We are all chayav b'nafshenu. We are all liable for our lives if we don't see how interconnected everything is to everything else, if we don't change our relationships to this fragile, burning, drowning world. In June 1943, Jan Karski, a Polish soldier in the resistance who had documented the horrors of the Warsaw Ghetto and the Nazi concentration camps, survived a perilous journey to Washington, D.C., and there he met with the Jewish Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter, one of the great legal minds in American history. The story is retold in a brand new book by Jonathan Safran Foyer called We Are the Weather. Safran Foyer recounts, After hearing Karski's accounts of the clearing of the Warsaw Ghetto and of exterminations in the concentration camps, after asking him a series of increasingly specific questions, Frankfurter paced the room in silence, then took his seat and said, Mr. Karski, a man like me talking to a man like you must be totally frank. So I must say I am unable to believe what you told me. When Karski's colleague pleaded with Frankfurter to accept Karski's accounts, Frankfurter responded, I didn't say that this young man is lying. I said I'm unable to believe him. My mind, my heart, they are made in such a way that I cannot accept it. Frankfurter didn't question the truthfulness of Karski's story. He didn't dispute that the Germans were systematically murdering the Jews of Europe, his own relatives. And he didn't respond that while he was persuaded and horrified, there was nothing he could do. Rather, he admitted not only his inability to believe the truth, but his awareness of that inability. Frankfurter's conscience was not shaken. Jonathan Safran Foyer's grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, but his brilliant and compelling book is not about Nazi Germany. It's about the weather, about climate change. He says, and I understand that some might find the comparison uncomfortable, that the lessons of history can be applied to our climate crisis. It is really, really hard to talk about planetary crisis in a way that is believed. Many of us have been very inspired by the 16-year-old Swedish activist Greta Thunberg, who sailed from Sweden to New York on a zero-emissions boat to address the UN Climate Summit last week. Greta started getting attention when she spoke at a, at a summit a UN summit in Poland in December 2018, saying, For 25 years, countless people have come to the UN climate conferences, begging our world leaders to stop emissions, and clearly that has not worked as emissions are continuing to rise. So I will not beg the world leaders to care for our future. I will instead let them know change is coming whether they like it or not. I'm a rabbi not a scientist and definitely not a politician. It is Rosh Hashanah 
And every year, rabbis all over the world struggle with what messages to share at this time of year as we all face so many issues locally and globally, recognizing that we all have different perspectives, different priorities, and that we need to be uplifted and inspired by hope rather than demoralized by despair. Greta and her movement, the movement that she has created, give me hope. Many people in this community and beyond give me hope. We can all do something, contributing in our own way to saving this planet. Planting trees, eating less meat and dairy, drying our clothes in the sun, using less plastic. In that same speech, Greta Thunberg said, Many people say that Sweden is just a small country, and it doesn't matter what we do. But I have learned, you are never too small to make a difference. On Rosh Hashanah, we plant seeds of consciousness and hope for the sweet fruit that we will produce this year in the faith that the soil is fertile and that our nurture brings blessings of abundance. We are never too small to make a difference and what we do spiritually and physically matters. Rabbi Tarfon says famously, it is not your duty to finish the work, but you are not free to desist from it. Last time I gave a sermon about the climate was in 2006, and immediately after that, Debbie Gaelic volunteered to start and lead a green team, which has recently been rebooted, and now Kara Mertz is leading us. We were the first synagogue nationally to go zero waste. We grow food support local farmers and have a solar-powered near Tamid eternal light. Thanks to a very generous grant from the Oreg Foundation Green Endowment Program, we are also about to invest in, seven, in 17 250-watt panels in a solar field in South Boulder, which will offset about 6,300 kilowatts of Bonnet's annual electricity usage. The beautiful tall trees on our property make having our own panels very difficult. We also subscribe as a wind source, Excel's wind energy program. Bonnet Shalom has twice received Hazon's seal of sustainability and is also one of five synagogues nationally in the 2019-2020 cohort of Shemayim Jewish Animal Advocacy that received a grant for the Synagogue Vegan Challenge which commits us to provide one plant-based communal meal a month. We gathered a group together, some of us vegans and some of us not, and we went around the table speaking about the importance of this project. For some, it was about the increasing evidence that a plant-based diet is healthier. For others, it was about animal welfare and reducing the suffering of animals. For some, it was about living the Torah's vision of the Garden of Eden with trees and plants as the source of human food. And for some, it was about the impact of animal agriculture on the planet, which is the main thesis of Jonathan Safran Foyer's book. Facts and statistics can be overwhelming, but here are a few from Foyer's research. About 80% of deforestation occurs to clear land for crops, for livestock and grazing. Humans use 59% of all land capable of growing crops to grow food for livestock. According to the UN, if cows were a country, 
they would rank third in greenhouse gas emissions after China and the United States. Some of the science places as much as 51% of all carbon emissions coming from industrialized meat and dairy production. Jeff Anhang, a UN scientist and author of a 2009 report called Livestock and Climate Change, argues that one of the most pragmatic ways to reverse climate change is a massive reduction of animal products as it offers a unique dual opportunity to reduce greenhouse gas emissions quickly while freeing up land to enable more trees to capture excess atmospheric carbon in the near term. In a very striking metaphor based on the story of Noah that we will read in a few weeks, Foyer says, we are the flood and we are the ark. He says, no one who isn't us is going to destroy earth and no one who isn't us is going to save it. The most hopeless conditions can inspire the most hopeful actions. This isn't about politics. It's about survival and about the power of what we can do together. Im hayatana tia betoch yadach v'yomru lach harei lech hamashiach bo v'natei et hanatia v'rachakach tsei v'kagbil Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai taught if you have a sapling in your hand and someone says to you that the Mashiach, the Messiah, has come, first finish planting the tree, the sapling, and then go and greet the Mashiach, go and greet the Messiah. Planting a tree is an act of redemption that is quite literally in our hands. It is a spiritual act as well as physical because it expresses faith and hope that the tree will grow that it will produce fruit, that it will absorb harmful gases and help us breathe soulful breaths, neshama, neshima, with fresh oxygen. We cannot wait to be saved by a force outside ourselves. We are the salvation, and it is our actions that will determine what kind of world we leave for the next generations. Something like 200 species of plants Insects, birds and mammals go extinct every single day. The sea levels and temperatures are rising and we can expect more and more extreme weather events. In an interview on New York's Daily Show, Trevor Noah asked Greta Thunberg what the main differences are between here and where she comes from. She said that here it seems like the discussion is whether or not you believe it is happening, but where I come from, it is a fact. 97% of scientists affirm that. A few weeks ago, I was on a very inspiring international call with rabbis, activists and educators initiated by Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg, my rabbi in London, who is at the forefront of the Green Shul movement. We talked about a global Jewish project to plant as many trees as we can in our communities, building on generations of JNF trees in Israel. The project is going to be called J-Tree. Baal Tashchit is the Jewish prohibition against needless destruction and waste, and its origin is the Torah's warning not to cut down fruit trees in a time of war. 
but from the rabbis of the Talmud on, it has become the primary Jewish source for conservation and environmental protection. I would like this community collectively to plant 5,780 trees in honor of this year. It is a very achievable goal. Baal Tashchit. Plant trees, either with your own hands or by supporting organizations that actively work for reforestation locally or in tropical rainforests. Eat less meat and dairy. Support local farmers. Reduce plastic, especially single-use plastic water bottles. Bring your water bottle to Bonnet and use our new filling station. Switch to low or, or no emission vehicles. Join our green team. Invest in renewable energy. Vote for candidates and measures that will make a difference. Believe that we can do this. Personally, I get on too many aeroplanes and I try to offset my carbon output in other ways. Apart from the goat milk that I milk from the goats on this very campus every Sunday morning, I've recently become a vegan. Our green team is setting goals for Bonnet Shalom. What changes are you willing to make? Our actions, however large or small, can have an impact. And we know that nature does have an extraordinary capacity for regeneration and growth. When we see beauty in nature, Jewish tradition invites us to say the bracha, the blessing, Blessed is the source who performs the works of creation, who performs the works of creation. As if we participate in recreating the wonders and beauty of the natural world each time we stop to appreciate them, integrating ourselves into the intricate balance of all life, choosing life, choose life. Our prayers can be action and our actions can be prayers. Let's allow ourselves, however old and wise we may be, to be led by young activists like Greta and others, who in her impassioned speech to the UN last week said, the world is waking up and change is coming whether we like it or not. The voices of the young are waking us up. I was moved when I joined the Boulder Climate March a couple of weeks ago with my chauffeur to see the energy and passion of all the middle and high school students concerned for their future. Many of them were carrying signs saying, there is no planet B. We're going to be hearing that powerful primal sound of the chauffeur soon to wake ourselves up from our collective slumber. Hayom harat olam. Today the world is born. Today is pregnant with possibility. Jonathan Safran Foyer says, to save the planet, we need the opposite of a selfie. Let's take that picture of our future together. Shana Tova.